We have some special guests coming today. Now, um, there's um, the church is kind of reconfiguring our values, and one of them is think like everyday missionaries. I thought, eh, I'm not sure I like the everyday part. It seems like ordinary. But in fact, if we were all to think like missionaries every day, there are a lot of things that would change maybe in our, in our world around us. One thing we're concerned about is we don't want our Christian uh, devotion, a reflection of our faith to just happen in a room one hour a week when we come together to worship. Uh, we have to live our faith as we go with people around us. And um, what we've discovered is as we look at the different methods that our mission partners use around the world, the very same elements of caring for people, giving hope to people, listening to people, standing in their shoes as best we can, those are the, those are the things that our mission partners do in Africa or in Haiti or in Latin America to reach people for Christ just like we can do and should be doing with the person in the cubicle next to us or our next door neighbor or that difficult family member who we find hard to love. So what we're going to do, we have some special guests here from Myanmar, from Burma. If you guys would come on up, please. Um, and we're going to sit up, uh, there's a stairway over here. And also Abraham Tang, Abraham, if you'll come up too, please. And we're going to uh, do a little discussion. I want to ask them questions about their ministries and where they, where they live. And also then um, you can connect the dots in your own life in ways that um, what they do to reach out to people are the same things we can do to all reach out to people. I'm tempted to. I think it will. Okay, good. Have a seat and... Um, First, I'll ask you to say a brief word about yourselves. Can you get in there? Yes. Okay, are there seat belts on these? <laughs> it's a high one. Joanna, will you start out? This is Joanna Jones. Introduce yourself and what your role is in the mission. Well, good morning, and thank you so much for hosting us. We're just thrilled to death to be here. My name is Joanna Jones. I'm the director of Asian Children's Mission, which honestly just means that I get to be often the voice, the spokesperson for the terrific work that the true leaders in Myanmar, in Burma do. And so I'm just going to be happy enough to pass this along to two of those great leaders that we have and let them tell a little bit about themselves. Hello, I'm very honored to be here this morning. My name is Miriam. I'm working together with Joanna. Um, we do a lot of adventure in Myanmar. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Timothy. My name is Timothy Pungsar. I am uh, working with Good News Productions International and work supporting uh, whenever they need Asian children mission. And we work together many, many areas. Uh, we are producing uh, tools for evangelizing and tools for Christian maturity. Uh, at the same time, we are 
evangelizing, uh, especially among Buddhists, main, main major groups, Burmese, uh, Koreans, Moons, Rukais. Um, yeah, in a minute, let's just go ahead and introduce each other. My name is Abraham Tang from Burma. Uh, we came here in 1997 and attended uh, a Christian church. And the Shavuok uh, sent me to Cincinnati Christian University. And uh, after I graduated my theological uh, degree, Shavuok ordained me. And well, they sent me to Fort Wayne. And now our ministry is uh, really blessed by the Lord. Thank you. I'll throw in a few notes here. Um, Joanna was, uh, is a Hoosier and lived very close by, and God called her to the ministry in Myanmar not too long ago, and she might be able to fill us in a little bit of, on that. So in a way, she's so much like us, but during this season of her life, she's giving her time and her energy to helping people, children, many others, uh, all the way around the world. And um, Timothy is a professor um, as, as well as uh, what he does with Good News Productions and has written some incredible material on how Christians, well, the commonalities and differences between Buddhism and Christianity. And those uh, teachings that he's put together are being used by young Christians to uh, take the gospel effectively to Buddhists, who are about 96% of the population in Myanmar. Um, Myanmar is an interesting place, Burma it's been called, uh, where a number, or that was its name, uh, Myanmar has been, how long have you had the, word, the name Myanmar? 20 years now. I still refer to it as Burma often, uh, and so do they, I think. Um, anyway, Burma had um, some missionaries from the Restoration Movement called the Morse family that many people who have been around the Christian churches very long would recognize the name. In the 1920s, they were moved from Tibet, uh, forcibly from Tibet over into uh, the northern part of Burma, uh, where they took with them some Christian tribal people called the Lisu. They moved in next to another tribal group called the Rawang, and they, uh, the Rawang were very kind to them, and through that, from the north, the gospel spread to the northern part of Burma. Um, there was a time when there was a cultural revolution, communism was strong, and the missionaries had to leave. And now there are four or five generations of Christians who are now the leaders of the church in Burma, They've been through a lot. They've been through uh, communism. They've been through uh, military dictatorship. And the country is just now beginning to open up to democracy, um, which allows us to go and come freely. However, in our most recent trip, we saw a strong church from the very far north of the country by Tibet, where it's extremely rural. Everything we ate was either squealing or squawking about a half hour before we ate it, I think. Uh, wonderful people uh, to the big cities in the central and the southern part. Um, the, the mission and the people in the church there is strong. 
Missionaries laid the foundation, but now the people have found that they are, in effect, the missionaries. So what I, and then Abraham, Abraham migrated here and uh, went to school. Uh, he was in the early migration and uh, went to school. And rather than going back to Burma, we convinced him to go to Fort Wayne, where there is, um, how many Burmese are there? Uh, right now, 6,000. 6,000 Burmese are in Fort Wayne and many, many more in Indianapolis. Yes, uh, 9,000. 9,000 in Indianapolis. And he began a church there. Um, and one half, 50% of his congregation have converted to Christianity when they arrived in the U.S. because of the church's outreach in Fort Wayne as they arrived here and the way that they went about embracing them loving them and showing them Jesus until they decided, well, that's somebody who we'd like to follow and that's a church we'd like to be part of. So um, right now, I'd like to ask Timothy and, and Ram, uh, what is it like? I know, I know this is your everyday, but what is it like being a Christian when in fact only 4% of your population of your country is Christian. What is it like being a Christian among Buddhists? And then you can finish with, how, how do you then turn your faith outward to reach out to the majority who could crush you if they wanted? <laughs> um, can you uh, fill us in on that? And either one of you, however you like to. Thank you very much for allowing us to present how to live in Myanmar and how to present the good news of Christ to Buddhists. What I believe is uh, every Christian is responsible to share about Christ as the true and living God to our friends in, in the world. Especially in Myanmar, we need to share. Every Christian must share about Christ to our friends. Uh, if we share the gospel, we, every Christian share the gospel to our friends. God will change Myanmar soon. Uh, so, uh, every Christian need to dedicate in sharing the gospel. Every Christian must involve in sharing the gospel. Need to commitment. Uh, we have to commit in our life, uh, our life in Christ's ministry. How do we share in how do we share the gospel in Myanmar? I would like uh, to tell you one of my experiences. Uh, in Buddhism, there in in Buddhist in Buddhist scripture, there is uh, the true Buddha is written in the scripture, but they never share about the true Buddha. We call in Bukdan Zit, Daman Zit, Dangal Zit. 
It is in Burmese and Pali. So, if we share the truth through Buddhism, uh, we uh, Buddhists can accept Christ very easily. Because every Buddhist want to worship the true Buddha. Everyone, every Buddhist want to worship the true Buddha. So we, first we need to have good friends each other in our neighbors. Then we can easily convert them to see Jesus Christ as the true Buddha and living, uh, living God. So I have a question uh, about that, a quick yeah. one. Um, as we think about sharing our faith, we know that we can do that with our words and we can do that with our actions. Um, what you've shared now is more through words because we're equating the true Buddha with God or Jesus. Does that mean we, we redraw the picture of Jesus so he has a big round belly? <laughs> 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 Just a bad joke, sorry. <laughs> but See, that, what about action in, in words? How do you put that together? Okay. okay. We, we live as a good Christian. Uh, if we approach a Christian perspective, okay, well, I, I will tell you a story. Uh, King Ashoka donated 84,000 uh, pagodas, 84,000 monasteries, 84,000 wells in Buddhist history. So I knew that one of them was in, uh, in the middle part of Myanmar. So two of my friends and I went there. And that was in Jabinla village and Shibale Monastery. The, the monastery name is Shibale Monastery. And in the evening part, we, we were there. And then we just washed our hands and feet. Then visited to the monastery uh, to see monks and wells and pagodas and how about, uh, we would like to see the monasteries. And then monks and elders of that monastery came to us, welcome to us, and then we talked and discussing and in introducing each other. Mm. Then I asked them, oh, do you love Christians? They said, yes. I asked them again, why? Oh, Christians are good. <laughs> oh, thank you. I am a Christian. <laughs> I'm a Christian. May I tell you about Christ? They said, no. No. <laughs> no. Christ is a Western God. Christianity is a Western culture. So, I, we have our own God, Buddha. We have our own culture. So, we do not need another one. Then, I'm wondering. So, the Holy Spirit gave me a door. Then, okay, should, should we discuss about the true Buddha? They said, yes. Then, I was very happy 
and then share about the true Buddha. Huh. Okay, Gautama was the founder of Buddhism, the one whom they worship him today. So he taught them, do not worship me. You must search the true Buddha by five rulers. So I told, I explained each other, one after another. Number one is the true Buddha must free from, must be free from physical decaying. If the one who is free from physical body decaying, he is the true Buddha. So, number second, he must have, the true Buddha must have power over death. Okay, D-E-A-T-H, death. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And <laughs> so, okay, number three is, he must be free from sexual relation with others. Mm. Number four, he must have power. The true Buddha must have power over the devil's spiritual world. Hmm. Number five, the true Buddha must, ha must have power over nature. So, Buddha is not Burmese language. Buddha is not Godama. Buddha means God in Pali language. Buddha is God in Pali language, not in Burmese language. So, we can see only the, the, the one whom you think Christian God has, Christian God, Jesus Christ, only these five qualifications. So, that's why we worship Jesus Christ as the true Buddha. Hmm. Amen. So, then I ask monk, monk and elders, am I correct? Then they said yes. Hmm. If you say yes, okay, can I pray for you? Then the monk said, the head of the monastery said yes. Then we three pray for him. Mm -hmm. So within one hour, we can convince monk and the elders of that monastery. Mm -hmm. Because they, they, they knew there is the true Buddha. But they, who is? They don't, they don't know. Mm -hmm. Buddhists don't know who is the true Buddha. Mm -hmm. So through this way, it is easy to convince Buddhists. Mm -hmm. that for, for that reason, mm -hmm. uh, we would like I, we would like to teach all Christians uh, this strategy in Myanmar. Then God will change Myanmar soon. Mm. There would be a movement in Myanmar soon. If all Christians teach this approach, this strategy, mm -hmm. yeah, God will do amazing things in the future. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Joanna. And Joanna, as a, a Hoosier mom who ended up finding herself 
with a mission in Myanmar of all places. What, um, as you look around at the ministries that you see in Myanmar that are effective and the ones that you've had uh, connection with, what are the different ways in general that you see that the, the uh, message is being communicated uh, that I think drew you to the mission? And uh, kind of round that out for us a little bit. In my first trip to Myanmar, what kept me up at night was the children who had no homes and I couldn't, and not much education. And I was only in the country just a very short time, but I ended up promising to make, to open up two orphanages. Now with Myanmar leaders, but the financing would come from here. And when I got home, I thought, oh, that was nuts because I cannot afford anything like that. But you know, the message of caring for children is powerful here, just as it's powerful in Myanmar. And so people came alongside on both sides of the ocean and said, yes, we're going to step up and we're going to help as many kids as we can. Mm -hmm. So we started out with these two orphanages, very basic facilities. Now then there's nice facilities and more kids. But we began to look and say, well, that, you know, orphanages are just fine, but healthy families living in healthy communities that know Christ, they can raise and educate their own kids. We want to shut our orphanages down. We, we, want, we want communities and families to raise children. So God, again, put wonderful people in my path, including Merrim, and we began to talk about opening schools because schools not only educate kids, it's a source of stability in the community. And it's a source of stability for children, even if they don't have, have moms and dads, they have extended families who are caring for them. So we opened, we were able to send teachers through many parts of the country. And we're still operating these schools. And I hope that you'll stop by and talk to us about the schools and about some other programs. <clears throat> And out of these schools, though, we've established churches. Now, believe me, as a girl from Orange County who worked 30 years down the road in Bedford at GM, being a church planter was hardly on my horizon. And I'm still surprised by it. I didn't do anything. It was the kids who did anything. The, the teachers told the students about Jesus. And the kids responded. And so I'm going to let Maram, if that's okay, tell about one, one of the little churches, one of the little children's churches. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Okay. When we started uh, sending teachers to Delta area, one, most of them did very well teaching Jesus Christ. But especially this school, the teacher taught them about Jesus very well, and the children are, no, they never stop learning uh, about Jesus. And so now they have uh, this tiny church formed by only children. The children are elders, deacons, deaconess, <laughs> and members of the church. Huh. The, the teacher is not doing anything with uh, the church, but teaching. 
uh, this uh, church, this little church began to grow day by day. And now they have um, their own uh, preacher, their own deacons and elders, just like us here. Thank you very much. Hmm. How, how old is the, the uh, preacher? The preacher? Yeah. Uh, the preacher is also a school teacher. He is only about 30 years old. Okay, 30. Yes. I, I thought he might be 13. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the new teacher uh-huh. is about, uh, the new preacher is about 15 years old. Oh, that's amazing. Um, this, uh, we've been to the, uh, some of the schools in the area in the Delta, and I was surprised when the school teacher said, well, you know, the children don't have much to do, so they come to my house, and by candlelight at night, they are memorizing verses. And I said, um, really, what verses? Well, uh, the book of John, for starters. And, I mean, they literally are memorizing whole books of the New Testament uh, after school because that's the motivation they have. If you can imagine children with those images and words and, 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 and thoughts, the Word of God living in them, it has to produce something more than, um, you know, that the church is growing because they're committed to it. Boldness is something that, uh, as I come from East, just this morning, we had three missionary speakers there, uh, all of them trying to say, we can do this. We should do this. Uh, missions is not something that happens over there. We're all on mission. And boldness is an element that I heard from Timothy just now, that it takes a confidence and a boldness, takes some compassion, compassion for the person next to you who doesn't know Christ, and it can and uh, some deeper level of understanding that if we don't share the good news with them, what's going to happen to them? That we're giving them life because we care and we love them. Um, I want to ask Abraham Tang. Abraham is seeing, uh, he works in an environment just like ours. You're in, a, you're in a country that is largely Christian, the majority Christian. You're working with people who still are a minority people because you're immigrants. You've come from somewhere else to find your homes here. Um, what, what methods do you use? How is it that you reach out to new Burmese family coming to town that you've heard about to introduce them to Christ, introduce them to the church, to, to show love to them? What do, what do you do? First of all, our powerful weapon is for the gospel is love, L-O-V-E, love. So uh, as soon as the refugees come into Fort Wayne, we show our love and we connect to uh, Catholic charities and uh, how can we have this new family, something like that. So they, they explain uh, what, what they need. So we invite them to our church and we, we, we request them to visit them. And now, and, and then we, we have good fellowship, fellowship and so, uh, slowly, we preach the gospel, uh-huh. and uh, finally, uh, they they understand that they know that uh, uh, this is love. So we we show them God's love. We give them God's love, and finally, the gospel is preached to them, and uh, 
and then they they convert and then they be, they become our church members like that. Okay, good. And do those people who you've who who you've met at the train station, so to speak, who you've taken to Walmart, who you've given furniture to, who you've helped them find their homes, do they make good church members? Are they? Do you believe they see Jesus through that? Are they coming just for more help? Or uh, they do, they do. Yes, yes. Uh, first, they need help. They need help. So we find furnitures and pots and pans, and uh, so we uh, we find everything what they need, they urgent need, and uh, we help them. And when uh, they they become uh, our church members, so we we give them one person fifty bucks, and. Uh, if they are big family, they will get more money, something yeah. like that. So it helps a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, finally, they they understand. Oh, this is love. Okay, thank you, thank you very much. Um, we could go on and on, and uh, I'm especially interested in this, uh, and I'm I hope you are. Um, but we really want to translate all this to your heart, to your living environment, to your friends and your neighbors. Because in fact, Jesus has called all of us to be lights in the darkness, to be salt, to bring God colors to our neighborhood, to bring life to people around us. Um, It can't be left to the missionaries uh, that we traditionally would call missionaries. It has to be the responsibility of all of us. And the good thing is, it's not hard. We're all equipped with a God heart in us that loves people who we don't even know and we don't even know why, but it's because God's in us and it's because He wants to love people through us. And as we open ourselves up to that, as we get, a, get over the fear of saying the wrong thing or not knowing the correct verse or something, and as we allow compassion and love to move us forward toward people and allow God to love them through us, their hearts will change. The very same thing that happens in Burma, in China, in many places. God uses that as His magic weapon, L-O-V-E, in the many ways that it shows itself.